welcome to the Halftime Mike Podcast, presented by basketball fan and Hoosier native Mike Gingrich, where practical, no-nonsense resourcing on social media, business marketing, and life is presented, because the adjustments made at halftime help you win the game in the second half. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Halftime Mike Podcast. Hey, I'm going to take you on a little different tour this week. I want to have you join me for my Blab session. This is where I was hosting a show on Blab, blab.im, with Jessica Phillips of Now Marketing Group and April Evans-Woodcock of Touching Clients. Together, we are the Magnet Marketers, and we do a show every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Blab. And it's a 30-minute show that is all about digital marketing, like I do with the Halftime Mike podcast, but we do it in a live format there. And uh, I want to introduce you to that. So today's episode is going to be our replay of the buyer personas, setting up your business buyer personas, how you take a look at who your target audience is exactly, demographics and uh, behaviors, and then how do you get in front of them. So we, we dive into that 30-minute episode from our Magnet Marketers Blab group, and I thought it would be a great introduction. It's me with Jessica and April diving into this. So that's what this show, the Halftime Mic, is going to be this week, same type of uh, format us talking, answering questions, digging in deeper, giving you practical things that you can take away. So without further ado, here is this week's episode on buyer personas for your business. So thank you guys for joining us on this week's Magnet Marketers, where we're talking about buyer personas. If you've joined us for the other sessions that we've had previously to this, you've heard personas and buyer personas being brought up time and time again in our conversations. We're going to dive into exactly what buyer personas are and how you can use personas to build your following. And to join me on this topic, I have Mike Gingrich for from um, Digital Hill and also co-founder of TabSite and the Halftime Mike podcast, which is amazing. If you have not checked it out, I highly recommend doing so. And last but not least, the lovely and talented April Havens Woodcock from Touching Clients. <laughs> Excited to have you uh, with us as well. Thank you. Always Myself, excited to be here. Yeah. Myself, Jessica Phillips from Relationship Marketing System and Now Marketing Group, a relationship marketing agency that focuses on being found, being social, and helping our clients build relationships with their audience. So, this topic, awesome. April, buyer personas. What do you think? So I think it's an I think it's a super interesting topic because I think for me I actually um, you know I would like to hear from you and I'd like to hear from my uh, Mike your definition of buyer personas because I think for me when we were talking about it I was like yeah I know what it is and then Jessica sent some great tools over which uh, we'll put some links in the chat here and I was reading it and I was like huh I was completely enlightened on what a buyer persona is so I learned a lot from uh, reading that. So Jessica, why don't you tell me what your definition of a buyer persona is? Because I think there's a lot of people, um, especially in the small business world, that might not understand what that word means and kind of what kind of factors into all of that. 
Sure. So buyer personas are something that actually changed my life and business in general. I actually was first um, exposed to buyer personas through HubSpot and buyer personas definition by definition is semi-fictional characters that represent real people that you're trying to target in your business. So it's putting a personality to the person that you're trying to target. So really, when you talk about building relationships with your ideal audience, that's how you do it because you're really putting a personality to the people that you're trying to target and that they're not just a demographic, that they're a real person. So last week, for those of you, if, if any of you are listening last week that are here today, we talked about putting a tone of voice to your business. This is putting a personality to your client. So it's, it's really knowing who they are and getting to the heartbeat of the individuals and their needs and how you can, as a business or a marketing agency, or just as a person, how you can connect with them before you even potentially meet them. And do you think like when we first, uh, and so where you said it's kind of changed the way that you do business, do you think that you have a different buyer persona when you first start business to as you evolve? Like, how do you, how do you kind of keep that in check? Cause it sounds like something that you can always reassess as you do your next year's uh, business planning, that kind of thing. And obviously, you know, I think when we started business and I've said it before, we could help everybody, but we can't help everybody. So our buyer persona has changed and evolved. Well, would you say that the same for your business? I would say they have evolved to a niche, really. I've honestly been able to start niching them down to who specifically can help um, more specifically versus like you said, when I first went into business, I'm like, I want to help everyone and anyone. And But the more that I got to know the people that weren't a good fit for me, the more that I found were a good fit for me. So there's those individuals and those business owners that I know that I that there was a better solution for them and a better, better company that could help them more specifically because they understood or could adapt their services to their marketing better than what I could. So I feel like I've niched down the personas um, more specifically that I could help. So we've narrowed it down to like professional services, healthcare, manufacturing, and education. Um, whereas before it was a plethora of different clients and, um, We've also set up those negative personas that have really changed the business. The people that we are like, no, those are the ones we're going to refer on. No, I like that. No. Uh, I'm curious. I don't know if you want to go into that, but I'm curious to hear a little bit more about negative ones. And, and sure. you know, do you define those and how did that come about? Yeah. So, um, in creating personas, which there is a resource guide, and I'm actually going to plug one in the notes here so you guys can see what I'm talking about here. You can um, actually go to uh, the site. Oops, sorry. Technology. I love it. Okay. Um, make my persona. And I'm going to plug this down here. And then I also have a free resource on the relationship marketing getting started where you can really um, dive down even more specifically to different personas. And, and let me explain. Most businesses at least have three personas that they can help completely different. So you think about the services that you're offering in the industry or the person that you're offering it to and start there. But when we did that, we ended up finding out the negative personas that we couldn't help. Um, let me give you an example. So it was, um, Oh, how do I say this? Okay. So the person that we were trying to, that we were getting calls for, and it was the people that were like, Hey, can you um, offer marketing services to me and just trade 
um, all I could do is offer you my service in exchange for this. And they wanted all the resources, but didn't have the investment or the time to spend. It was kind of like they wanted to pay for the gym membership and never show up and hope that they lost weight kind of thing. Um, and I realized that the negative persona for me was somebody that wasn't really invested in partnering with us and understanding that they were, we were an extension of their company, but it wasn't, mm. we weren't their sales and their marketing department. So they weren't just going to pay us a, a flat fee and that we were going to market and sell for their business and do everything for them, that we are an extension of them. And it did require some time on their part in order to help us understand who they were trying to target and that we would come up with a full plan for them and work side by side with them. But there was a point where we had to intersect and communicate on an ongoing basis. So we decide uh, we work best with the clients that want to work with us and have those mm -hmm. conversations and not just say, well, I'm paying you do it for a thousand dollars a month, do it for me. And where's my results, but I'm not going to talk to you again until I'm asking you where my results are. Um, so those I were next yeah, exactly. Very cool. Mike, well, how do you use personas in your business or do you really, do you really look at it? I love Jessica's perspective and, Obviously, this is learning for me, which I love too. So, do you use buying, you know, uh, personas, or do you kind of just tell yeah, me, you know, talk to I, me? It's uh, <laughs> it's really evolved over the last, you know, two years, I think, and sharpened and uh, become more of a focus point. So, it is narrowing it down to specific industries, and then uh, within those industries, it's narrowing it down to a little bit more of a, um, you know, kind of like some, some specific requirements in terms of how th the size they are. We, you know, we like, we typically like to have a connection that is large enough to, uh, you know, to communicate with us. There's going to be some kind of liaison kind of thing. So it's not like owner operator and a manufacturing kind of thing where, where there is no kind of infrastructure. So, so we've narrowed it down to, so that there it's, it's some industry, uh, niches and then there is some infrastructure ideals kind of pieces and sure. there is a understanding of um, what we can deliver and how we would work with them so sure. so so it is and and I talk about a little bit more in when I do you know workshops on social media and and even about you know who they're trying to and I, where they should spend time i back that up to a persona and say you know you need to be spending time yeah. where your ideal customer is going to be and to know that you have to identify them you have to identify that persona so you know if you break it down to uh, you know a a name you know, so this is you know joe and he's going to be between uh typically ages uh, you know say 39 to 42, or, you know, maybe it's going to be broader than that 49. He's going to have the title of, you know, vice president of marketing or director of marketing. He's going to be doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. So that's kind of a, a pretty, pretty tight persona. And he spends time doing this. He has these kind of uh, uh, skills and this is what he's, some of his problems are. Very cool. No, and you know what? I think you bring. I think you bring up a good point. Is that um, I think as business owners, we're already identifying those personas early on. So as 
you know, like for us, we kind of look for our target is, um, you know, there's definitely a demographic built into that. So businesses that have been in business for at least five years, because we know at five years, they're typically at a place where they are looking for that partner, like you're talking about, Jessica, an extension of their marketing team. They have a budget, they have a little bit more um, money to work with and really the ability to partner with people. And then obviously the niche piece is huge. Um, although we're still redefining that all the time. And I think like in Mike with, you know, Digital Hill, you do websites. So, you know, I think when you offer some services outside of just marketing strategies, it's sometimes harder to bring it all in and kind of find that focused um, persona without it being very, very detail oriented. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Uh, I mean, I think that, you know, we've just been refining that and there, there has been, you know, cause everybody needs a website, but not everybody is an ideal client, you know, for us. Touché. Uh, there are, there, there's that, you know, we, we don't do well with that, uh, typically with that owner operator who says, you know, can you just toss me up something quick? Um, we we're looking for that company that's typically already had a website and is savvy enough online that they want to do more online. They want to take more things to the cloud. They wanted some more features, you know, so they have some type of, um, you know, private information for their network that they want to offer, or they want to store some of their, their client information in a database and have access to that or give clients access to log in those types of pieces. So that's, that's, you know, defining, defining a level that is, you know, above just a, a base level and yet is not at a, you know, Fortune 500 kind of level kind of thing. That's that, you know, that piece in the middle where they're, they're seeing the, the need for technology, the need for some things in the cloud, um, some web-based tools. And they've, um, they've already, you know, they, they see some pain. They, they've, they know what they have now isn't doing it for them and they have ideas and where to go. Sure. Jessica, what do you think, um, you had sent out a great blog post, um, but kind of in your own opinion, what do you think the core benefits of having a buyer persona are? Like what elements kind of make that up? I honestly think it expands not only from your marketing, does it help? Because now you can, we talked about like having a tone of voice on your social media channels, but sure. it, you know where to spend your time, one, when, before you even go on social media, you know what kind of content to write. So it gives you kind of a, a head That's start. right there. Yeah, you, you have a head start on knowing what to write and who to write specifically to before you're just writing this content and seeing what works. Because you already have kind of a, a baseline understanding of what your buyer personas need. Like, what are their problems? What are their pain points that you're trying to help them solve? So you can already get started yeah. on writing content specifically for them right out of the sure. gate. But then also it helps you in your customer service. You know how to create those, um, you know, those offers or those referral programs that they're going to, that they're going to enjoy. Um, you know, what kind of leads groups to attend, you know, if your business is into leads groups, you know, what kind of, um, team members to hire, cause who are they going to work well with? Like what kind of tone of voice are they going to respond to? We okay. use it in everything, honestly, from hiring to, uh, content writing to, um, you know, our own, um, social platforms that we're putting out. I mean, it really expands. So I would say time-saving, um, 
really specific in um, what kinds of content that you're writing and then drilling down um, to getting people through the sales funnel a lot faster. Um, those, those things are really huge for creating buyer personas. Sure. And I would imagine that at the end of the day, you're obviously you're going to get definitely more qualified leads in exactly. and connecting with those right people by talking to that audience. What do you think some of the benefits are, Mike? I mean, I, I really agree with her and I'll just come back again to the, um, the point of recommending or how, how it benefits your content writing. I mean, I think it just guides that. So, so when you know who your persona is, there's just a, a flow on what their problems are and uh, how you can reach them and the stories that you want to tell. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, so Jessica, tell me how in, when you work with your clients, because you do a lot with marketing strategy, tell me how you help them find their buyer persona. Because I think, that a lot of times when I talk to business owners and like Mikey said earlier, I, especially within social media, I always talk about target audience and the importance and really understanding that audience. But I find that at different levels in businesses, sometimes it's really hard to figure that out and you need some guidance. You know, you need somebody to kind of peel the layers away. So you have your aha, there it is. Like yep. how, what, how do you help your clients in be able, being able to determine that? So sometimes, even though we need the heads of the company there to work with us and doing the buyer personas, we honestly need the people that are providing the service directly to the end user to be there helping us create the persona. So we will have the questionnaires um, that uh, some that I just shared in the notes here, but I'll put it out again and have their team. So their service team fill it out to who they think the buyer buyer persona is to the sales out to see what their buyer personas are. I ask them to look for um, their most valuable leads. So not the ones that are mainly making them the most revenue, even though that's definitely important, but the ones that are also creating that repeat referral business. So who is referring and screaming their name, you know, that business's name to sure. the rooftops for them and bringing them in those repeat clients and those referral business, because those are probably one of their most ideal buyer personas because those are the ones that they've really felt they met, met their match. So we help them start there. We ask them to interview though their potential clients and ask, or not their potential, their current clients, excuse me, and ask them these questions because if they could fill it out, then, I mean, who's going to answer it better than already the client, right? So if they can interview or we could interview for them, their, their clients that they're already serving that are doing a great job, um, for them, they have this good partnership, then that'll help them accelerate it. But again, if we, if we don't have access to some of those things, or maybe they're a brand new business getting started, we, we start with what we, what we think, um, and go through that of, of who they envision it being, and then continue to drill down. As you said, it may evolve and change over time. Great. How about you, Mike? Do you work with clients and create personas for them? With them? You know, we, on the, we do on the digital marketing side, on the website side, it is part of the kind of overall process as a part of their whole web design. You know, so it's who are you trying to reach? Who is the audience? What can we learn about them? And because that helps shape some of the content that's on the website. So I was just trying to think through that. It's, it's just intermixed on the website side with that piece. On the digital marketing side, it is again, a part of the process, because if you're going to be sharp with your Facebook ads, you know, your Google ads, that type of thing, you have to help them drill down into who is it we're trying to reach. And, you know, uh, 
particularly with Facebook ads then. I mean, there's there's so many demographics and interests and keys and you you can be very hyper focused and very specific if you do it well, but you need to take the time to understand who that audience is. So asking them those questions is a part of, a part of each process. I mean, it's, it's not definitely like we don't do it as the sole part of a, a meeting where that's the only focus because we're, we're covering, you know, multiple pieces along the way, but uh, that, that flows throughout it. Wouldn't you say that, so we're all kind of on the B2B side. So we're most of, yeah, we are, we're all business to business. So I think in any business to business at some level, you're always, you need to listen for the buyer persona of whoever you're going to work with in order to help them in some level. Would you agree? You know what I mean? So like if you're talking to them about a service or, um, you're making a recommendation on something, even if you don't provide that service, you really do need to know who their target audience is and who that ideal person is in order to be able to refer them. And, um, and I would think the same in terms of them educating their clients, because so I'm going to use my, this is kind of going to be funny. So I'm going to use my parents as an example. I don't think they really do understand a word of what I do for business. <laughs> you know, at some level, like they just, they don't get it. You know what I mean? And so they would have no idea who my buyer persona is, even though I tell them, but I really probably haven't spent the time to educate them. They've never been through the process. You know what I mean? So I think it's really important as um, you're listening to the buyer persona of your potential clients, but you're also educating them on your buyer persona. So there's kind of a give and take when you're working those relationships. So true. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, and as you, um, I also think, you know, what are your thoughts on kind of being able to better differentiate your products? So like, how have you changed and evolved products to create, you know, in uh, working with that buyer persona? Like how have you evolved your services to maximize that potential for your clients? How about you, Jessica? So um, we realized, honestly, after, Oh, it only took us, you know, two years probably of understanding that our clients really needed help with the content on their website. For example, um, they needed help creating content ongoing. That was always the piece that was holding us up. And we knew that our key differentiator and one thing that set us apart from competitors was that we saved our clients time and we came up with creative ideas. But saving time also meant helping clients with content. So whether it was writing, uh, creating a website or a white paper, they really needed that help in having a, somebody that was really willing to research their industry and create downloads that were specific for their industry. So um, this past year, I ended up bringing on another creative writer specifically for the website, and that has been huge for us. So I think it, it is listening to those things, and if you hear something come up and a need come up again and again, then you just act on it. So we've really tried to drill down in um, to listening to what they need and, and acting on it and having that service in-house, one, and two – creating a network of referrals to make their life easier because sometimes clients do need things that you're, that's not your industry. So for example, like printing and promotional products, we may create that, but we're never, we're not printing and we're not looking to go into that business, but it finding the resources that we can trust. And then we know who to refer people off to and having that network that makes things easy for them. So then we become more than just their marketing provider. We become their partner and their go-to that has the go-tos, you know? Um, so yeah. I think I think that's been a huge perk for us and um, things that we've changed up. 
I'd agree with that, and I think that's been key for us as well. Because uh, again, trying to focus in a specific area, and not do all things, and mm-hmm. but yet aligning ourselves with like-minded partners who are you know gifted in their arena that uh, that we can partner with and help uh, clients out when their needs are outside of our realm. Now we also have evolved some of our definitely some of our web software to some of these, uh, you know, niches, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, so for instance, we have, how do we say that word? Niche? niche. How do we say it? It depends. It's like, it depends on what part of the country are you? Yeah. Did you say niche? Did you say niche, Jessica? No, I said it's like GIF or GIF. Like people have this battle. Like I just go off what Jimmy Fallon calls it. You know, he calls it a GIF. It's a GIF. It's a GIF. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not going to cut you off. It is. It is funny how that's one of those words that just based on where you're at, different locations. I'm almost afraid to say it sometimes. Like niche, niche. What is it? Yeah. Like, like Jenny, she's a European say it differently. She said, you know, what are you guys talking about an itch for? We said, no, it wasn't. We weren't talking about an itch. You know, it's a, but anyway, we, yeah. we have evolved our software uh, to help those those clients. I was thinking about, you know, we've developed a tool for housing manufacturers. So you have that manufactured housing where they're kind of building homes in, in, a, in a factory and then they take them out and set them up kind of piece. And, you know, so one of the tools that we created is a home customizer tool. And this is a it's a website selling tool. They can put this on their website. Uh, they load up some of their models. So it's it's kind of layers of in the back end is pretty robust for the manager area, but ultimately to the end user on the front side, they get to say, you know, I want a single story. I want a two story. Um, I want this color of shingles, this color of siding. And I want, you know, uh, different pieces. We, you know, this type of trim around my windows, uh, these types of shutters. And, and then they can see you know, the, the different, they can change colors, change little pieces. And so, so that's a, that's a piece that is so relevant for that industry. And so we're trying to make sure that those, um, you know, other manufacturers can, can take advantage of that and, and that can help them sell more of their products. So that's kind of a specific application that we've, you know, fine tuned and honed in for that target industry. That's really cool. So um, just you mentioned earlier about like survey and asking kind of your clients for information what would um, I just want to revisit that a little bit because I think surveys and um, polls are under underutilized in um, businesses today. I think that um, if they're done the right way, they do give a lot of valuable information. What kind of questions would you ask if you were sending out a survey just to kind of figure out uh, that buyer persona or um, just to gather information? What would that survey look like? So I guess I should clarify when I say surveying them, because I tried sending out like the surveys, the actual surveys like that you would send through the email and I didn't get a good return back on that. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm could be outside the norm. So what I did honestly is do personal phone calls. And I said, I just want to evaluate, make sure that we're doing things the right way for you and really just drill down and ask you some questions to make sure we can better serve you and made it like I was focusing um, and having a focused conversation with them, which, which I was. So, um, I just literally asked them the questions. Um, I asked them, you know, where are they going for, um, their information and their news? Like, where are they spending their most time? And I took the 10 clients that I thought were, you know, closely aligned with our ideal buyer personas and asked them those questions. And then 
took back the answers and use that then um, to create our marketing campaign for the next year too. Um, for Great. the blog topics that we're writing, where we're hanging out, um, what services we brought on, um, and then um, ask them, you know, some questions, ask our team some questions of what they were hearing also from clients, like what was holding up the website process, you know, when we're creating websites and it was always the content and um, the clients were the same way. It was like, I don't have time to write the content or I don't know what to say. It's hard to talk about ourselves, that kind of thing. Um, and just took some answers that you're getting back um, and hearing again and again and putting that into buyer personas and, and drilling it down then for our marketing approach. Yes. And how, Mike, do you do any kind of surveys or anything like that to clients? You know, I was trying to think about that. Um, not necessarily. Well, I have done a survey on the digital marketing side, and uh, that was kind of related to their Facebook marketing. Um, I haven't done it necessarily any surveys on the website side, but there is a clear sense of always having our team be listening to, you know, what are the common problems you are hearing? And then, you know, translating that into uh, saying, okay, so if one person has this problem, two people have this problem, I bet more do. So, you know, how, how can we, what, what does that mean? How can we translate that either into some content that we need to do or, you know, some other um, items, pieces that are, that are necessary and needed? Yeah. You know, and I think, um, you know, Jessica, you brought up a great point. When we talk about surveys, I do think from sending out email surveys, they don't always get the greatest response. But I think if you make them short and very specific and make it clear on the time frame, you definitely have better results. But I also think surveying can be definitely not just email. So because I'm an email girl doesn't mean, I, you know, I think that personal touch. Sometimes people are very surprised by a phone call to get asked for feedback. So I think that could go a really long way in um, kind of taking that feedback back to your team and um, making that part of, I think that's a great idea to make it part of anybody's business. That every yeah. six months you pick a handful of clients and you're every quarter and that you just call them and survey and just check in because it also solidifies that relationship. You know what? Now, I when you when you would story. do that, are you checking out their landscape, or are you checking out things related to their specific feedback on services that you're offering, or you know what what would that involve? Do you think? Are you asking me? Yeah, April. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. So say that question one more time. Sorry. <laughs> See if I can get that. But uh, when when you would contact them, are you specifically trying to get feedback on? items related to services you're offering or just on their business landscape or, you know, related areas to what you offer? Sure. So I think I mix in a little bit of both. Okay. So I'll ask them what's going on in their business world, because I do, I'm interested to know what's working and what's not working. And then I'll tie it into, I'll ask how, um, you know, I'll talk about, um, especially if we're doing some kind of service for them, I'll say, oh, you know, I noticed your analytics were up from the last email to kind of draw in um, for the ask of how do you think it's going, um, but also providing value and just a follow up to what services we're providing. But I really try to, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I try to do well is that I'll connect with a client and ask them questions about their own business because I'm not there every day. And even if we're doing, you know, social media or whatever we're doing to support their business, I'm not there every day. And I don't know. So like, even though, you know, you're in constant communication, when you're doing the daily grind, you don't always get those conversations. So 
um, I think it's great to learn more about what they're doing. Plus the other thing too is that I might do kind of an impromptu survey call without even knowing it because if I see somebody that's doing something well that's related to their business, I offer right. it up to them. I'll say, oh, I saw this great idea and it's not a direct competitor. It's something like, oh, I saw, you know, they did these great posts or they're doing this, this is a great idea. And it might not even be something that we're doing as a service, but if they say, oh, we just don't have the time, then I'll say, well, you know, that's a service that we provide. You know, it's something that if you want to give it a test run or, um, so I kind of mix it up. And in the roundabout way, I think for me, the conversations are relationship building and just checking in. Right. I actually have a good story on this. Um, I was called by a company that said they were looking to gather information for HubSpot clients and see how um, HubSpot clients could be served better. Right. And so this company called me and they just asked me all the things that I loved about HubSpot, ways that I would, you know, change it up if I wanted to, what made me choose HubSpot. And, um, come to find out they were actually a HubSpot competitor and this company. <laughs> yeah, but they were brilliant. Okay. So honestly, this company had sent us first, um, initially they sent us a six pack of root beer. Oh no, I'm sorry. A 12 pack of root beer in the mail. And they had said that they would send us a 12 pack of beer, but they didn't want to get in trouble, you know? So, uh, they sent us this <laughs> and just said, Hey, we wanted to just cheers to you and, and, uh, get to know your business and just use this as an icebreaker. So right after that, it was like a week later, they had called us and, and talked with me and asked loved and the things I would change and, and this and that. And I had let them know that loved HubSpot, um, you know, had a good relationship with them, but um, that I wish that for some of our smaller clients that it would fit, some of their budget would fit their needs, you know, for the smaller clients that we were working with. And it was three weeks later, they had sent us this cornhole set, okay, and the, in the cornhole set, it had their branding of their company name on it and then sent us little cornhole bags that went in it and that had their name on it. And then a big bag that did not fit in the cornhole board that was, it's, it said hub splat. And they said, we're the right fit for every client. And, um, but used what they had learned from having the interview with me and then followed up with this cool, like promotional pack to send back to us to like leave this lasting impression. And I was like, right. man, if I really didn't love HubSpot, I would be really <laughs> like, about switching to this company and still thought that I really investigated them. But it was because they took the personal time to listen, asked me a lot of questions and then followed up with something that said that they were paying attention. So right. I think that's yeah. the key to it too, is when you do ask these questions and find your buyer personas, follow up with something that lets them know that you heard what they're saying and that right. you really understood it and took action on it. Wow. That's well, something else though. That, yeah. Uh, yeah so that whole cornhole thing was yeah. to, to say, you know, we understand the, yeah. the small business and it fits yep. in here. Yeah. It was so cool. You'll have to check out our Instagram feed. We've, we've been playing ta uh, table cornhole ever since, but, uh, so, you know, the funny, the interesting thing, like you were saying from your own client perspective, I think what I try to do is I try to take a takeaway from a conversation, the follow-up for later on. So for example, you know, like if, um, somebody's child has a concert come or, um, you know, like a recital coming or a graduation, that's a great way for you to send a, a card or something of that, or, you know, they have an anniversary or a big event 
And I always like to try to take that away. Um, that's already a client, but to get a new client, that's definitely, you know, um, that's awesome. I mean, and like you said, if you weren't dedicated to HubSpot and didn't love them so much, you would have taken the, taken the loot and maybe turned over. I wonder how they would do. I actually got, it's funny you say that because I got a call today from a competitor of, um, and they said it was about my account with, uh, one of my email providers that we're a pretty big partner with. Um, and I was like, what do you mean it's about my account? And I'm looking at it and I'm like, Oh, that's I'm like, that name is familiar. So of course I did a Google search. I'm like, Oh, it's a competitor. Not very nice. They're telling me it's regarding my account. Like, I'm like something wrong with my account. So a different way to get their foot in the door. Yeah. So that was a voicemail. It wasn't actually, um, uh, Adam took the call, but he doesn't know who they are and he doesn't deal with, you know, constant contact directly. So it literally was a call and it said, this is Mike from XYZ. Uh, I'm calling in regards to your constant contact account. Please call me back as soon as possible. It's important. (laughs) So I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, wait a minute, spammer, scammer. (laughs) So here's another way though that, um, industries are doing this. And actually, um, we had done this before. And then I found another creative way that a banking industry here locally is doing it. But we had taken our clients out for um, Thanksgiving, like had just had a Thanksgiving dinner here, kind of family style, um, just handpicked some of the local clients that um, we wanted to treat and, and then um, use that time to celebrate with them, but then also had a focus group either before or after and, and ask them a lot of questions and, and regards to kind of understanding their needs, like what are the things that they loved from, you know, this year, one of the, um, what would be their next kind of wish list items, that kind of thing. Um, and a bank, um, around this area actually set up a focus group too, to do the same thing and pick some of their, their clients and got them all together. Um, and, um, it was an hour time and they treated us to lunch and they've been doing this quarterly now and asking us questions and related to our needs. And they said, Hey, if we, did any of these, these six next things, and they were talking about like um, setting up like ritual tellers and um, adding a coffee bar in the bank and a few other things. They said, put these in order in, the, in your wish list and then asked us why we decided to do that. So they took another approach and took it a step further in creating their buyer personas and getting the needs. Um, and then also asked us like what we what we disliked the most about sure. the bank. That's a another kind of way of diving in, I guess, if you want. And I don't bank with this company. So it was kind of funny that they. they Constant contact actually does that, does that a lot where, so um, I'm where I do presentations, they will schedule with me. They'll look at kind of the ratio of how many people are signed up for an event and they'll do a focus group after an event and they'll offer lunch and like a book or something else for, and they're usually people that are already users of constant contact. However, they always sprinkle in newbies, like people that are not customers because they do want that perspective of what it's like to come to an event or what maybe they might be doing something with the product. Also, they've done it where um, they've actually invited, especially because they're in Massachusetts. So they'll invite people from the New England area to come and be part of a basically a sample group and test drive some products for them and do things and offer incentives. And they don't even necessarily have to be a user because they may be attended an event or, and just show an interest in the product just to see what their feedback is. So it's definitely a cool feature. I would imagine more and more companies do that. We just don't know about it. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of great ways to create the personas, I think. And then it's just really taking that and then taking action on it. Yeah. 
And so would you say that you let your, so when you're training new hires, because I think that's another perspective. So when you're training new hires and they walk through the door, how do you tell them about your, your bio personas? How do you define them? So you have an advantage, Jessica, because you had, you've given us all these little goodies on the bio persona from HubSpot and stuff. So um, I just, I'd be curious to know how you get that information and that message across to um, your team. So we actually go through and we have um, buyer personas with their picture and kind of like a description, like we're describing our best friend. Um, and we have it in our, our training resources and nice. explain the who our personas are and then also the negative personas. And then also in HubSpot in their system, they have it at the top where as soon as you log into your dashboard, you see your personas and you see um, how many leads that you have how many of them are each persona and what the conversion rate is on each persona. So it's like a, right. As soon as you log in on your dashboard, because it'll swap out content depending on which HubSpot system you're on to depending on what persona is coming to your, your website, the content sure. that's, that's related to them. So we really um, first start with the education of who the personas are and then um, go through that as, as the paper form and then take them to actually meet some of the personas um, if they're local or sit in on some of the calls so they can get a good feel of the personality. Because it's one thing to kind of, it's it's one step to read it on paper, which gives you so much understanding, but it is something um, once you start having that one-on-one -on -one connection with them somehow. Sure. Get to meet at least one version of that persona, you know? Right, right. Well, and I bet for like a new, like, especially an intern or somebody that really doesn't understand that coming in, because I think, you know, you have interns coming in and then all of a sudden they see that client and they're like, whoa, it's truly what that persona yeah, is. Exactly. <laughs> that's what they said. And it's funny when they start recognizing personas and they're like, oh, that's like a Ted. And I'm like, yes, you're right. It would be considered a trendy Ted. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Mike? How do you get that message across to your team? Yep, I mean we have a mannequin sitting right here that uh, you know we haven't we haven't gotten gotten that far. A yet, mannequin? So. What does the mannequin look like? Yeah, cutouts. Yep, <laughs> cutouts on ours. Yep. No, I haven't gotten that far yet. Uh, I think I'm still <laughs> in the, uh, the the dreaming stage of that. But uh, you know, I we we definitely have it written down, and that's definitely part of the orientation process. I mean, it's it's even if they've made it to a second interview. I mean, we're starting to talk about those type of things because um, sure. because we want to know that they can they can understand that kind of speak and that that that's not just a uh, a foreign concept to them and and uh, but what definitely when they come in you know that's something that we uh, go through it's something that uh, i use in managing my sales guys because i'll i'll take a look at that when we're trying to evaluate decisions when they're trying to bring me something an idea or something that i use that as my kind of criteria to help them uh, you think through that to, to see if this is uh, within our within our target, within our uh, you know golden wheelhouse of where we want to to spend our time. So um, I guess if you were to send a message um, out and kind of give a word of advice in figuring out your buyer persona, what would it be? I, I mean, for me, I would say start. I think I, I run into so many businesses that uh, just haven't start started that, or I would say revisit it and refine it, make sure it's sharp. You know, I think that, um, you know, that's something that we're always trying to hone in on. And so I want to recommend they do that. So you gotta, you gotta set aside a little bit of time in the midst of, uh, your, your running and running to, to do that. And these kind of documents that we have here, 
that we could put in the notes that Jessica has uh, are are tremendous for that because it kind of leads you through that process. I mean, it's just it's just a strategic, um, but you know, directed process that helps you evaluate certain key items and you know come to a conclusion on that. And that can just be it can be freeing in many ways. But uh, so my advice is you got to get started and use a formal process. These are these are great tools here. And then make sure you have a process in place to uh, train with that, to uh, hold hold people to that, and to revisit that to make sure it's sharp. Yep. Cool. Great. Um, and what about you, Jessica? What do you think you would uh, give a word of advice? Yeah, definitely start like Mike said, and then make sure that you continue to revisit it and talk to your personas. And if you're, you know, writing content, make sure that you're writing to your personas. And I think we touched on this on the previous lab session, which I'll post a link here in the notes. When you're writing your content and coming up with content that converts, make sure that you're talking to those personas and that you're really focusing on them and everything that you do. So um, whether it's what Mike had shared as the resource and planning out your content in a Google Doc or the Trello boards like mentioned or whatever resource that you use that you really make sure that your content is focusing specifically on different types of personas and mapping that out when you map out your content topics. Um, so you know that you have the complete workflow specifically for your persona that, that what they're going to need to lead them through your, your marketing funnel to turn it from a lead to a marketing qualified to a sales qualified lead is what we all want. Those uh, good sales qualified lead that will be repeat referral business for us. Right. Great. I like I like that differentiation from even marketing qualified to sales qualified. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Some Smart nice lady. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, I think you both. Um, I think you both uh, have the same uh, site with the end in mind in terms of getting organized. I think that's the key: is that you really do. I would encourage everybody if you're not. I don't know, even though I'm a visual person, I do think when people write things down and they start to create visual boards and like use Trello and things, it really does make a difference in accountability for figuring things out. And um, planning is going to be your hardest piece and taking that time, but take it that time for your business because it will pay it forward in the end. Absolutely. With those referrals and um, new business. And, um, you know, I think that um, there's lots of great tools out there. I have used Trello minimally. Do you use Trello? Um, Michael, you still, you use Asana. Asana is kind of what we yeah. do to our team. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the best investment in a business is having some kind of organizational tool to get those, um, that information started. I don't know if there was any questions. I didn't see any questions. Did you guys see any questions? Let's see. Just about adding a co-host earlier. I answered that one. <laughs> we had some well, good I, comments, but yeah, no, I, I think, um, didn't see any specifically. If there's any out there, they can definitely post those now. But I think, you know, the, the key is get started. Here's some great resources and that helps just target your, your content, your marketing processes, and, uh, you know, ultimately bringing in the type of sales that uh, your company wants. Keyword that your company wants. You know, I think that's the, that's huge. That is absolutely huge. And that makes all the difference. So, um, and all right, I'm going to post a link to our next lab here. Um, 
We're a weekly we folks. Yes. We're moving to four o'clock on uh, Tuesdays Eastern time. Yes. So, and that reminds me, I need to change the link in here before I post this. And I will um, follow up with um, our blog and recap of the video. Um, we've been trying to get those out right after the session and up tomorrow. So get all that tied together. Um, I learned a lot about the buyer persona and um, it's good to know some things I'm doing already in my business. And I got a lot of takeaways to take back to my business. So I always have fun time with you guys. So I really appreciate it. Good stuff. I was uh, talking about this today, introduced the concept of Blab and uh, what we do on a weekly show here to a workshop group that I was doing. And they were like, wow, well, I got to check this out. So I saw your picture and I saw the screen for Blab. Yeah. Thank you guys both for joining in here today and um, everyone that's watched in. I love having these sessions and so just dive in deeper. You know, one, it's not just a resource that we can share with people now, but also share it on our sites and pass along later. Um, we will have the recap as promised, like I said, um, up on the site and I'll share it in the notes here and have it ready for you tomorrow. We did record the session. Next week, we'll be diving in at 4 p.m. talking about building the rhythm of engagement on social media. So how to, now that you got that momentum going, you know, how to keep it going, keep that rhythm consistent and to drive that those referrals in and building those true relationships. So I hope you guys will join us next week. Same place um, here on Blab at 4 p.m. on Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the Halftime Mike Podcast with Mike Gingrich. Remember, what you do in the second half can change the outcome of the game. Does your business need resourcing, tools, and social media consulting? Then visit MikeGingrich.com. Want to have Mike speak at your next event? Visit MikeGingrich.com slash speaking. Join us again for another episode of Halftime Mike. Your no-nonsense guide to victory on the court of life.